Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer the effects of paraphia if you touched me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Six steps before you hire. Hiring is rampant because turnover is rampant. You have work to do internally before you go public with your job posting. Andrea Hoffer from AHA Recruiting Experts talks you through her six steps. On Tony's Take Two, lots of opportunities for growth. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Here is six steps before you hire. It's a pleasure to welcome to Nonprofit Radio, Andrea Hoffer. Andrea is a businesswoman with over three decades of experience. She's managed hundreds of employees, knows firsthand the everyday challenges of motivating a team, exceeding customer expectations, and meeting business and revenue goals. Now, Andrea is using her experience to help companies recruit, hire, and onboard new team members successfully without wasting time or money on those poor hires that don't work out. Her company is AHA Recruiting, AHA. They are at AHA underscore recruiting and at AHA Recruiting Experts.com. Andrea, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Hi, Tony. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. This is, uh, this is pretty cool. You're happy and you're surprised. I'm surprised. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Andrea and I are on a bus in Israel. We are headed to the Dead Sea. We met at this course called uh, Israel Innovation that she and I are both taking, along with, I don't know, look, it seems to be maybe 60 or 70 other people. Uh, most are not from the U.S., most are from Latin America, uh, Brazil, Chile, Argentina, uh, but there are also folks from um, Central America, uh, Panama, Colombia, uh, Costa Rica, uh, there's a woman from Ireland, she makes sure that we know yes. Ireland is in the house every time we have a meeting. So we're spending a week together uh, traveling through Israel, uh, we've been in Tel Aviv together, um, today we left Tel Aviv and came to the Negev desert, the, the desert, we visited a kibbutz, and now we're on a bus from the kibbutz to the Dead Sea, where we're going to stay overnight in hotels, and we are stealing uh, some time on the bus so that Andrea and I can record, Andrea, Andrea and I can record, because uh, we're not sure if we're going to have time any other time, so <laughs> there might be occasional interruptions, there's bus noises, and we're on a bus. Discovery, which is the earliest phase, right? This is the earliest phase of, of recruiting. Yes, but what you do before you even put a job ad out there, the things you need to think about so that when you do start recruiting, you're looking for the for the right person. Okay, so we're in a introspective uh, exercise, yes. in-house. We're strictly in-house. <laughs> discovery, and you, you call this phase discovery. 
Yes, we do. Why, why is that? Why is because you're, a lot of it you actually know, but you haven't thought about it. You haven't asked yourself those questions. So you're discovering this about yourself, about your organization, about the people that work for you, and and, and really what you want your your work culture to look like, what you want your team to look like. Okay, okay. Now, one thing I didn't say in your bio, uh, you are... Uh, founder and what's your what do you call yourself at AHA Recruiting? Founder and CEO? Or C- just founder a, and CEO. Founder and, and CEO. And AHA, it's AHA okay. Recruiting Experts. Ah, AHA Recruiting Experts. Okay, excellent. All right, so you have a discovery uh, process. You have a process for this discovery. Yes, so we have six questions, um, six overall questions that we typically take our clients through and um, and then there are lots of questions underneath it to go to go deeper, but I can start yeah, to well, talk we'll to you about we'll, the six we'll start over, with the six, uh, six, six that are the most, thing. most important, and uh, maybe some of my questions will evoke some of your sub-questions, etc. So, okay. so, what's, uh, what, so, the, so the first question is really, what, you know, why does this position exist? What is the, the main purpose of it? Um, every position has some reason it exists and it typically in some way will contribute to the bottom line and will contribute to the mission of the company. So it either in some way is going to save your company money or in some way is going to make the company more money. But it's usually even bigger than that. And I and I have an example I can share to you. Okay. Um, so one example I like to share is an account manager. And the job... Um, we, we like to break it into job title, job purpose, and then organizational mission. And so the job title of account manager could be the, the job purpose to ensure clients' expectations are exceeded. Very, you know, it's very simple. There's no like- Very high level. Very high level, no getting this wrong. You know, we, we tell people, don't worry about getting it right. You're gonna start, you're gonna tweak it over, over time, but okay. just put some thought into it so you have direction. Um, so the whole purpose of this account manager's job is to make sure the client's expectations are exceeded. And then as we go through some of these other questions, of these six questions, we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper of what that looks like. Okay, okay. Let's, uh, let's reassure folks that this certainly uh, applies to nonprofits. Because of course. Your, your work is... Your work is mostly, you've done some work with nonprofits and you have a background in nonprofit. Work. Yes, I started working in higher ed and so I've, and I also ran an arts uh, organization. So we were, and it was, you know, that was all nonprofit. And then when I started the company, I did a lot of consulting with nonprofits um, in addition to small business. Okay, so this all, everything we're talking about transfers. To, of course, yes. Uh, Otherwise, Andrea wouldn't be here. But and, and I want to make sure ways, you all know that. Yeah, okay. in many ways, a lot of these questions of of why a position exists or what the mission is of an organization, it, in some ways, it's even easier for the nonprofits to answer because they talk about their mission so much more than business do yeah. um, often. So it, it, it is a good connection there. And before we go further with because we're still at the very high level, why does the position exist? Who should be, well, yeah, who should be answering these questions? What's the structure? Do we send around a survey to all the employees? Is it only the employees who are going to work with the, the, the person who's, whose position we're filling? 
uh, is leadership involved? Uh, who, who's, who's answering this? What are the logistics of getting these you know, a questions lot, out there? And a lot of it depends on how large your organization is. Um, we have done this process with just the CEO or just the, the leader of, if it's a nonprofit organization. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. I typically would recommend getting at least the leadership involved, but if you're thinking, you know, if you can get more people involved in answering these questions and discussing these questions and get as many people uh, input as possible, the, the better the outcome, the better you're gonna you're gonna answer these questions. Okay. You like the idea of like maybe like circulating the questions in advance and then meeting to actually versus versus everybody writing their answers. That that seems kind of yeah. We we actually uh, have um, when. Um, Sometimes what we do, if the organization agrees and they can get more people involved, is we do a sort of what you just said, like a questionnaire, like a survey of different, um, and have each person fill it out separately without okay. talking to each other. Even if it's a small organization, we're just sitting at the four or five people, and then we get them all together and we talk about, well, okay, here are the patterns we saw. Here, here's what everybody's saying. And usually about 70 to 80 percent is going to be similar. Okay. But then here are the differences. And why do you, you know, why do you think this person answered this and this and that person answered that? And we talk about the gaps. And then a lot of times we're able to to bring it together and and really come to a. Uh, I don't want to say a compromise, but something that everybody is behind. Consensus. A, a consensus. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. All right. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. So we're at the level. Why does this position even exist? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. What, what, what's next? So the the next one is it's about the outcomes you're looking for, and this drills it down um, often to metrics. You know, how how do you qualify this? And the and, you know, I know you're you do a, um, a plan giving, and if you talk about say fundraising, which is kind of an offshoot, bringing the money in, um, there could be um, how, the amount of money. Whether it's a business or a nonprofit, is 
you're kind of bleeding into Denmark. promoting the promoting the position exactly. and the organization yeah. to the to the and the mission to the right people. But we're still in the discovery phase. But <laughs> no, but it all interrelates, of course. Um, and so these are these are valuable introspection questions. Okay. Anything else that you want to say about that that second one before we? No, I think I think you move on. You pretty much got the okay. the gist of it there. Okay. Um, and then the, the the next one is. I like to refer to it as success traits, but what are the characteristics? And, and this is, yeah, this is specific to the position, because we're going to talk about the organizational culture in a moment. But, you know, what are the specific characteristics, specific traits that you have seen of successful people in this position or a similar position in the past? And this takes some thought, and, and we usually, the way we pull it out of, of people is by stories. I'm a big fan of thinking back and writing down stories. Stories of um, when you had team members that were successful and lots of different, it could be small successes, big successes, but I'm always encouraging people to, to track those things, to write them down, and then also stories of when people weren't successful. And you start to see patterns of the different traits of, of what would make somebody successful in this particular position. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. We, um, you know, we often will recruit for executive assistants. And we, had, a couple of years ago, we had a CEO. And this can apply nonprofit, for profit, but this, this happened to be a, a, a for profit company. Um, and she needed an executive assistant, and she had already gone through several. Nobody was successful with it. Um, and one of the things, one of the reasons why she was having trouble finding the right person was her company um, was very fast-paced. Everybody in the company traveled a lot, and the CEO was absolutely brilliant. She needed somebody who could organize her and be like a million steps ahead of her and, and used to that chaos and be able to, to thrive in that chaos. So we knew when we were recruiting that those were some of the traits we were looking for. So we had lots of amazing executive assistant candidates who had great skills. But as soon as we talked to them and learned, you know, that they've been an executive assistant, say, in a large organization for, yes, a very busy, you know, senior executive, but it was still structured. They were still used to a yeah. lot of structure. Yeah. We knew they weren't going to be a good fit. So we knew what types of success traits to to look for. And, and then, you know, we, we take that and we drill it down to a couple of sentences so that it it really jumps out at the right person when, when we're going to, to look for someone and so that it's very clear to us when we're interviewing. Okay. Well, was there any chance that you should have been recruiting for a new CEO in that, in that, in that <laughs> no. company? That no. Sounds, that sounds like a, a actually, difficult environment. Well, actually, there are, a lot, we, there are lots of businesses and, and even nonprofit organizations that do function in that way. There's still some yeah, structure, uh, sure there's true. still productivity, yeah. but because of the nature of what they do, it, it, there is this daily chaos. You just have to find the right way to... And, and it was also where they were in their history as a, as a company, too, okay. with the growth.
It's time for a break. Turn to communications. Their e-newsletter this week, What a Year in Review Can Do for You. And they talk about the value of a year in review article or blog post that you write. Uh, they say that it usually only requires a light lift because you just need to spend time summarizing stuff that you've been writing all year long. And of course, you're going to file, focus on uh, milestones, you know, main achievements, accomplishments. Uh, but they also suggest including challenges, uh, especially if you overcame them successfully, because that adds some authenticity, right? And they suggest that a year in review can help you, of course, you know, showcase your results. We just talked about, you know, accomplishments, achievements. Uh, you can acknowledge your key audiences, supporters, loyal customers, donors, your, uh, your beneficiaries, any, any parts of your year in review that you can work these folks in, all the better. Uh, boost morale. Uh, it's often easy to forget all the things that you did achieve over the year at the end of the, at the end of the year because it's so busy. So this can help, uh, refresh recollections about the good things that, that happened through the year. Um, so those are some ideas that they have around your year in review piece. You can get their e-newsletter, which is on message at turn-2.co. Turn to communications. Your story is their mission. Now back to six steps before you hire. We have questions four, five, and six. What's yes, that? I'm trying to make sure I don't I don't yeah, forget no, any okay. here. Oh, okay. um, Anything else what, about, on number three? Uh, no, I, I think this is good. And, and um, let me just go back to my thing here. So the so we talked about success traits, which are specific to the position, but then you have your core values that are specific to the overall organization. So everyone in the organization, no matter what position they have, live by these core values. And I, I call them um, kind of like your default zone, your guiding principles. Um, and if they're done right, if they're really alive in your organization, then you know that no matter what decisions being made by anybody in, in the organization, that they're, they'll be making the decision the way you... Right. around those wants, values. Around those values, right. with the way they act. Okay. And, and so, for example, one of our core values at AHA is um, think like a detective. So we're often kind of putting our detective hat on and, uh, it, and, and often the core values do start to come from what's important to the CEO, to the person who's running the company or who started the company. But you, you want to make sure that they're also important to everybody in the organization and that they they like it, they, they're successful by it, they're, it's natural for them. So when, when we're recruiting for our company, we're looking for people who are curious, who think outside of the box, who put their detective hat on and don't just accept, you know, you have to do things one, two, three, but there's got to be another way to do it better. Um, and so we, we, it comes up in our meetings a lot, you know, when somebody says they have a challenge, did you put your detective hat on? How, you know, how else can we? So um, that's one of our core values. 
Uh, since we're uh, in the middle here, uh, we're uh, three out of six. Um, I want to mention, Andrew, you don't have in your, Andrea, you don't have in your bio that you're the author of Higher Higher. I don't. It's, unless I, I don't, I don't, I didn't I deliberately know, cut it out I of your, to, cut it out of your bio. Um, no, look, it's a, there's, I'm showing her the bio, her bio on her phone. Which does not mention that she's the author of the book. It says about the author. It's not the author because the, author, the bio is on. It's, it's a piece of a, a, a piece larger of the PR thing. All right. Yeah. Uh, still. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, she's uh, she's the author of the book Higher Higher H I R E H I G H E R, which you can get on Amazon. Higher Higher. Okay. Yes, and in, and in the book, it's a very practical guide, and it it does walk through these six questions and, and a lot more um, and but it goes into more detail about it and, and, and how, of course. how to yeah, do it. Yeah, we, can, uh, we can't do everything we can't here. Yeah. We can just scratch the surface. We can't dive deep. Right. Just, you know, if, if this intrigues you, you got to get the book. That's right. the only way to get, get the full depth. All right. Number four. Question four. Well, question our four. discovery process. So this is what everybody already thinks they know. Right? When, when right. you're thinking about I got to fill a job. I always see employers say, okay, they have to have this many years of experience in this particular industry and they've had to, have, you know, know this specific software and have this education and all of these skills. And when I go online and I look at job ads, it's usually pages and pages of the experience and skills that they want. That's a can be a really big mistake. So what I recommend in this area is just narrow it down to the four to six skills or experience that you absolutely need for the job. And think about yeah, I see like thirteen bullets of uh, uh, oh my god, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, oh really? Yeah, one job I that I I was I was just bowled over. I mean, I, I get bored reading it. Yeah, well, and and most candidates um won't. Or it's job seekers won't look at it. Yeah, I can't possibly. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 sometimes I wonder if there's anybody who could really like. Right. They're, they're, this, they're creating such an ideal that, that I think they're they may be scaring candidates away. Well, they definitely because are. Because they're intimidated by the by the prospects of this uh, or the requirements of the job. Yeah. Well, and and the interesting thing is there have been studies done between men and women, and men typically even if they can only do three out of the 15 bullets on the list will apply, but women, if they can do 14 out of the 15, on average will not they apply. Yeah. So yeah. you, you end up cutting out you know, a big part of the population. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we typically recommend between four and six of the most important, think about what you you're set up to train for. So, you know, if you can bring someone on who has the right attitude, you, you know they're trainable, make sure you can train them or you have something, some resources to train them. Um, and then that opens the field for you. And, and people love training and professional development. That's one of the big things that candidates are always asking about. What, how am I going to get growth from this? How is this going to take me to the next level? So that's a, an, an amazing thing to offer somebody. Okay, training. Professional development is important, folks. Yes. Even more so maybe now in the uh, post-pandemic economy. That they want, I guess, candidates want to know that the company, the, the organization is going to invest Definitely. in their growth. Yes. Okay.
that they're going to invest in their growth, that there's opportunity to move up. But even if there isn't opportunity to move up, because sometimes certain organizations just it just doesn't have that, is there opportunity to learn something new? There, there are lots of ways to keep people passionate about what they're doing and wanting to stick, you know, stick around, even if it's not a huge bump in pay and a huge title. That's not always what's most important to people. Okay. Okay. What do we have next? Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, did we go? We went through uh, five already, four. right? But we four. went through I four. Okay. We talked about results and income. So, um, what? Do you, why do people stay at your organization, and why do they leave? You know that often we don't even ask ourselves that, and that was probably a question for for your current team. You know what? What is it that they really enjoy about working there? Is it the mission? Is it that you're you do a lot of things together as a team? Is it the pay? Is it the professional development? There could be lots of different things. Sometimes, which is very big now, it's the flexibility. You know, if they're they can come in at different hours, um, or you know, is there a work from home? Is there a hybrid? That's of course very big right now. What is it that keeps them, and what is it? that drives them away. And that often could be, like, you know, you you made a comment when I, I talked about that example of the CEO and the kind of the, the chaos. Yeah. Some people thrive in that. By your comment, it sounds like that would probably drive you away. Yeah. Um, so be very clear about what your environment's like and put it all out there. I, sometimes um, people will ask me, well, shouldn't I make it sound really great? Only if it's true. Be authentic. You know, so, and find out what is true. Yeah, otherwise and you're misleading the candidates. Exactly. If it's a chaotic environment and a, a lot of flexibility is needed and it's it's hard to work through a weekly plan that you might put put together on Monday or the Friday before, uh, then, then reveal that. Because the, the person's going to leave in, in, in a couple months when they realize that, that exactly. it's, it's not the... It's, it's not the predictable week after week pattern that you made it sound like, or that, that you just told me out explicitly that it is. Right. That's, all right. Uh, so if we're at, why do people why do people stay and why do people leave? Uh, look, uh, people could be leaving because of leadership, difficult leadership. But now yeah. we're having leadership answer the answer the survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's where the leaders answers, the C-suite answers, they diverge from the worker. That is uh, very true. Worker answers. Yes. And who in the C-suite is going to be willing to admit that they are the reason or, or contributing to the reason that people leave? You know, that's going to be a tough you, one. You would be surprised that I have met a lot of leaders over the years, um, both in nonprofit and for profit, and I have met leaders who who recognize where their challenges are. And sometimes they'll say, I need to hire somebody to fill that gap for me. Actually, I met with a leader a couple weeks ago who said that. He said, you know what, I know I'm not good at, at managing people, at keeping the team motivated, at, at um, checking in 
finding that people are realistic about it. Well, and, and it could be what most they, of the people I meet. Sorry. Oh, be careful. Yeah, you, yeah. Watch your, your, you should watch your hair on the, on your left side, too. Oh, okay. Just, there you go. Just in okay. case it's brushing. Okay. okay. So that was uh, Andrea. Andrea. Sorry. I know I've been calling you Andrea for half a week now, and now we're recording, and I keep saying Andrea. Andrea was touching her mic, but we're on the fly here. Yeah. So that, that's, what, that's what that noise made. We're in the middle of the desert. Yeah. I imagine you heard. Okay. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, well, I saw well, so we went through everything. That's a, that's, a, that's a very good one. Why why people stay and why people leave. Yeah. I mean, you could, like you could spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I actually, I met with, um, I run a... Often I will run masterminds or be in masterminds yeah. with other organizational leaders. And there was this one woman who, um, her business is, is growing very quickly. And she said, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm like, what are you overwhelmed with? She said, I'm overwhelmed with the employee engagement piece. I, I feel like there's so much I need to do to show my employees I care and to keep them happy and successful and, and and I've been told like it's you know there's so much out there and it's just there's so much more <laughs> yeah. that we're hearing now so I was like you don't have to do everything right away <laughs> you know just check in with your team regularly that's probably the most important thing is checking in see how you can help them and, and make sure they know you're you're being authentic, you're being sincere. You, you truly want to hear if yeah. there's a, a challenge. Empathetic. Yeah, some empathy, empathy, yeah. Some, some empathy, some we, humanity. Yeah, which yeah. this leader is naturally empathetic. So I said, really, you, you just need to be you. <laughs> she had a counseling background, okay. you know, she was, um, but I told her to just start with three, you know, three things. Uh, that, we are passing know. now. Oh, we're going to pause while we have a, uh, an introduction, oh, wait, an explanation. The city of Arad, what it's famous oh. for. I don't know, maybe we should include this. Uh, people who <laughs> have <laughs> asthma, okay, oh. who have problems with uh, breathing, they come to Arad because the air here is very, very dry and it's very good for people who have uh, problems uh, breathing and lungs problems. Now, the Dead Sea is also. Uh, part of, I, I would say, medical tourism. And now, look, we are starting to go down to the Dead Sea. Arad is like four, five hundred meters above sea level. The Dead Sea is 425 uh, meters below sea level, so we're going now 800 meters down. All right, so there's a little bit about uh, the Dead Sea and how far below sea level it is, courtesy of... Uh, our, our guide for the week uh, is Michael from uh, Denmark. It's time for Tony's Take Two. We are at the beginning of December, which, of course, is most likely a very important month for you. Regardless of how you perform, how your organization comes out, tomorrow is another opportunity to grow. So I'm urging you to Shed, let go how it goes today, this week. You have another day tomorrow, you have another week, and you have the one after. So regardless of how you and your nonprofit do even this year, 2023 is another opportunity. Full of 365 days. If you do great this year, 2022, fantastic. If you don't, 
2023 is another new full year. Your past doesn't define your future. And you have many opportunities to grow each day, week, month, year. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku, but loads more time for six steps before you hire with Andrea Hoffer. We were talking about the reasons why people leave, the reasons why people stay, and I was saying that I think that's valuable introspection, even apart from a hiring process. I just yeah. think this is valuable. I think it's valuable to think about these things. Um, is there anything more that you want to add on? No, not not onto that. And I, you know, I agree. It is it is very important. And you know, sometimes we we do all this work with clients and to find them the best candidate or what we think is the best candidate. And what we have learned over the years is that we also need to do work with the employers on how to set the new hire up for success and and keep them um, happy and, and help them uh, with success on ongoing because we're, we're seeing we started doing a survey of our the people we placed at last year in 2021 we placed 165 people and we have been reaching out to them um, at different points like the 30 days in 60 days in 90 a year to to find out you know did they feel like the recruitment process was was professional did it was it a good representation of where they were going and then what was you know what is it like at the company and and what we're hearing a lot of is i wasn't really i mean i'm, I'm generalizing here but i wasn't really set up for success i wasn't given the resources i needed to be successful or sometimes it wasn't as described which means we we didn't get the correct information from from the employer because what what also seems to happen sometimes is the employer things change quickly in, in organizations and sometimes they change the position so they might not change the position title but then they they change the expectations around the position and that's not what was you know quote sold to the candidate so um, if the, and sometimes it happens and it's nobody's fault uh, it's just how the organization the directions moving and I always recommend just just be upfront with with your new hire and talk to them and, and figure out is this still the right fit for you and how can we work with you so that it, it can be the right fit and, and maybe there's somebody else in the organization where it's a better fit and you can put this person in, in a position that will work for them but at least be upfront exactly and, and, and be talking about these things all right all right so we kind of melded uh, a couple of these together so I, I, I want you to just read through one through six so we so it's, it's just clear that we've covered everything okay please, so please. Uh, the first one is why does the position exist next or what are the results or outcomes needed from this position and I think we just grazed over that one um, and one of the things I do want to mention that I didn't mention earlier related to that question is um, I'm a big fan of results. I even asked you if there were more if there was more you to say about that. I know, I know. I think I Tony, asked you. I think Lee. I gave you the opportunity. We're out of right. box. <laughs> My brain's not as You can only use that excuse so many times. Oh, okay. Okay, no, please. Um, no, I'm, so I'm a big fan.
important and sometimes you can get a really great candidate from a, a different industry who has accomplished something very close to what you're looking to accomplish from this position. So, so the more clear on what you're looking for, what you know, what we always ask, what will give this person a, a great performance evaluation in 90 days? What would they have accomplished for you to say A plus for them in the first 90 days? And 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 then different segments of you know the next timeline. Um, okay. So that I just wanted to make sure I covered that. So the next question is, um, what skills and experience are needed to do this job successfully? What are specific traits? We call them success traits or attributes that make a person successful in this position. What are the specific behaviors that fit in your organizational culture? We were talking about core values. And then lastly, um, why do team members stay with you and why do they leave? Okay, thank you. What about
one more. Maybe in. maybe not even in a second if they know there's another coming. Right, and less candidates are going to apply for your job if they don't know what the because they're afraid they're going to waste their time and they often feel like because you're not being transparent with that, you you might not be transparent with other things as well. So you might not be the right employer for them. Okay.
if you're able to think maybe a little outside the box and make it either a hybrid or remote or add some of that flexibility in, that is so important to people now. And, and they, because of the pandemic where they saw companies and organizations did it out of necessity, yeah, they won't right. take, oh no, we don't do that here as an answer. Then there's a, then there's a, you know, then that's not for me. Plus, at, as things started to let up just a little bit during the pandemic, it was still pretty early on, the question I got over and over again from candidates was, well, what will happen um, with this position if, if we end up having to shut down again, if we have another pandemic? Oh, and I haven't been hearing as much the past year, but that first year, I heard a lot because they do not want to be laid off again. You know, they wanted... so. You might want to think about that as well. It's not just because they want the flexibility, they also want that security that they know if a pandemic hits again, they'll still be able to make a living. Okay. Oh, we're in the we're in the uh, Israeli desert, the, the, the Negev. We're yeah, descending, okay. as you heard. So now we pass sea oh. level, okay? Uh, yeah, now, now we're down. Uh, going 425 meters. Our tour guide, Michael. Down, still down. Underneath sea level, okay? The most lowest place on earth. That's the Dead Sea. Now, the lights that you see on the other side, this is already another country. This is Jordan. Okay, the border between Israel and Jordan is exactly in the middle of the, of the Dead Sea. I should have said that uh, Michael is uh, originally from Denmark, but lives uh, in, in Israel and is a tour guide here. So, with Andrea Hoffer, founder and CEO of AHA Recruiting Experts, AHA underscore recruiting, and AHARecruitingExperts.com. Andrea, thank you so much. Real pleasure. Thank, thank you, you for Tony. doing this on, on a bus uh, in the uh, Israel desert. It was fun. Thank you. Something <laughs> different. Thank you for hanging in with the weird sound this week. I know it's up and down and it's crackly. I really wanted to capture the conversation with Andrea. Uh, we were sitting side by side and how many shows do I get to record in the Israeli desert? And, and plus you got to learn about the desert from Michael. So thank you. Uh, I know it's, uh, we it's weird this week. Thanks very much. Next week, Trayvon Heckman with his book, Take Heart, Take Action. I know, last week I said he'd be this week. <sighs> I need an intern. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>